Welcome to the Waybox podcast. My name is Tally Rye. I'm a personal trainer and fitness influencer. And my name is Ben Foy, managing director and co-founder of Waybox, the brand behind the podcast. And this is your convenient way to get a deeper insight into your favorite influencers, the business of health and fitness, and the topics that we really believe matter. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes. You can find us on all major podcast apps. And of course, let us know what you think on Instagram at the Waybox podcast. Today, we are chatting to a remarkable woman. She is a mother, a multiple marathoner, in the past was a lawyer, and is now the founder of the fastest growing boutique fitness brand in the country. Welcome, Kiefer Bamba, CEO of Digme Fitness. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Great to be here today. Did I miss anything? Uh, you said CEO. Technically, Jeff is CEO. Oh, I'm a founder. Okay. Oh, you're the founder. <laughs> yeah, I'm still. A, I'm a director and a founder, but Jeff's the CEO. Would, uh, he, would he have been a bit annoyed that you, uh, if no, you were he, for CEO title today? Yeah, yeah he might. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if I'm chasing after his we job. We should put but, in context. Yeah. Jeff is your husband. Jeff's my husband. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. Uh, he jumped in uh, just before he was in finance. He jumped yeah. over just before we opened the first studio. So yeah. So he's been there for a while. Yeah, we'll get to Jeff that. Well. We will get to that. Yes, I do. Um, and he is brilliant at his job um so yeah this has been one hell of a journey because obviously like we mentioned in the intro you've come from a lawyer background you're um a mum and everything like that but how did it all start how did you even get into fitness in the first place what was your first foray into that world Oh, I always loved fitness. So back in school days, I used to swim, play hockey, do some track stuff, just always, always loved fitness. And when I was practicing as a lawyer, it was hard to find time to do so much. Mm. Uh, But I decided I was going to try and train for a marathon. Uh, So set my sights on running the London Marathon. Um, Didn't actually get into London, so applied for New York and ran that as my first marathon. Um, Missed my target time by two minutes and I'm very competitive. Mm. So I thought, right, I'm hooked. That's it. Got to do another one. So So what age was that first marathon? Oh, gosh. uh, Early 30s. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so so quite quite a while to get into longer distance yeah. sports. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so the hours are pretty savage when you're a lawyer as well, aren't they? So trying to like manage marathon training in between. And having the that. energy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it it gives you energy though. I find fitness really energizes you. So mm. typically if I was in the office late, I would run home via somewhere, some far flung part of London. Um, so sort of run from the city to Islington via mm. Fulham, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you clock up the miles that way. So it's just using every opportunity. Um, quite often I go to friends for Sunday lunch and turn up and running kit, having run the 15 miles to their house and that kind of thing. So people just got used to seeing me appear in sweaty lycra. They just um, know you now. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it's one of those things if you really want to run a marathon and if you want to do it in a decent time, you somehow fit it in. You sometimes find the time to do the training. Did you have any structure to your training? Because obviously running generally now is super, super popular. So there's a lot of programs out there for people that are going from either like couch to 5K or people that are training for a marathon. Did you literally just start thinking I'm going to run five miles and then seven miles or how did you structure it? Yeah I just built it up slowly so uh, before then I used to just go to the gym and do you know typical gym sessions Um, so you know a bit of time on the bike a bit of time on the treadmill some weights that kind of thing so I'd never really run really long distances so um, 
I started off doing the Regent's Park 10K series. So I did 10K every week for the six weeks of that series, or six months rather of that series, and really enjoyed it. Uh, then I moved up to a half marathon. I remember doing the Windsor Half as my first half marathon. Yeah. Absolutely loved that. Um, and just sort of slowly built up the distance. Um, and then in training runs uh, every week, I would just try to go a little bit further. So just that extra mile. Uh, so I'd always go the same route, um, sort of along the embankment around Battersea Park and so on. And uh, I just make sure I, I went a little bit further every time. So by the time I got to the marathon, I was comfortably running 20 miles once a week. What is it about endurance events that attracts you? Because you do, we're talking about marathons, but you've also done Ironmans. Am I correct in saying that as well? That's right, yeah. How many Ironmans have you done? Well, I've only done one full one. Um, I've done probably about 10 half distance. Wow. Um, yeah, Ironman was an interesting one because um, I ran loads of marathons and really, really loved it. Got totally hooked. So, so how many marathons did you have under your belt before you just started to get into the world of Ironman? Well, I probably done about 50 when actually I got into the world. Five zero? <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure I've run I'm, that entire just, distance ever in my life and bearing in mind so okay so you start and this was your first one was when you were just early 30s yes so I've still got time to become a full-on marathoner <laughs> absolutely well what happened was I as well as doing marathons I did ultra marathons and yes. ultra marathons are just longer distance I know well I just got to the point where I thought I'm not going to get any quicker on the marathon distance yeah. unless I really yeah. change things yeah. up you know turn pro which I was never good enough to be and you know take loads of time off to rest and so on so I thought well I could go longer so uh, there was an ultra marathon in South Africa that really appealed called the two oceans so I thought right I'll I'll try that it's a 56 kilometer race so it's not that much longer than a marathon um, so of course I did that absolutely loved it so then I entered so my next one. what is it that one. you love is it the community is it the atmosphere is it just the, the other runners who you really relate to? I love it all I love the training for it um, I love having something to focus on I think my training is far more effective if I've got a target in mm. mind um, I love the actual race itself just the excitement getting to the, the start line mm. you know the smell of deep heat all the gels yeah. stuffed in people's belts and uh, you know everyone just getting ready talking about their their ambition on the day um, and the journey itself I just love digging in and I love how you switch off you don't think about anything it's mm. just you and that road and it's and just magical you've come from such a high pressure environment like law where you're probably being pulled in several directions all the time that do you feel that that almost it's like you've gone to another extreme when it's just you doing something for you and you've got no one else needing you at that point yeah you know it's funny actually when I um I raced Copenhagen marathon last year since I've had my two sons um I've been doing more marathon running again having had that foray into ultras and mm. Ironman um marathons are just easier to fit in and uh, I ran Copenhagen last year and it was just Jeff my husband and the boys they were just I felt they'd made so many sacrifices to get me to the start line. Yeah. So my training was a bit haphazard, but the one constant was every Sunday I would do my long run. And the weather conditions that winter weren't amazing. So they were done in hail and snow and rain and all kinds of horrible conditions. But Jeff obviously had to look after the boys while I was doing that training. And it's a big chunk of a family weekend yeah. to go and just yeah. do a training run like that. Um, so when we got to the start line, the whole family flew out to Copenhagen. My brother lives there as well. So he was there to support. And... Um, 
yeah, there was just so much effort involved in supporting me in the run up to the race and during the race itself. So when I stood on the start line, I thought, gosh, I'm not just doing this for me, I'm doing this for everybody. Yeah. And then running around and seeing them on the course was just the best feeling. It was just really, really lovely. But that's really what kept me going, not just my own commitment to running that race, but also their commitment and mm. how they'd, you know, really gone out of their way to, to help and support me getting to the day itself. And I did also have the feeling, oh, I've got three and a bit hours to myself I'm going to enjoy this yeah I never get three and a bit hours these days so uh, total switch off time and Jeff also loves his um events as well doesn't he he does who got into them first well we met at the gym oh, okay. uh, yeah we actually met at a spin class which bearing in mind How what we ironic. do now is, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was literally written in the stars wasn't it? it was wasn't it uh, we both went to the same gym and uh, there was a particularly good spin class on a Thursday night and we would go for a run afterwards so we did the spin and run thing every single week and um We'd actually been doing this together for about three years before we got together. Oh. So we, were, we became really good friends first. And then we went from just doing the spin and run class together to doing other sort of training things together. Uh, and at the time, I was training for an ultra marathon. He was training for an Ironman. So we were both in the gym a hell of a lot. Um, and just, yeah, finding reasons to go for a run together and go for a coffee afterwards and so on. Uh, but then you get to the point where, you know, you're really good friends. And you're like, <laughs> oh, God, is it going to spoil Who's things? Who's going to make friend zoned yeah, for life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> It's all worked out. It all worked out beautifully. But he was training for Ironman. So I went to actually watch him race uh, this Ironman. He'd been training for, he's training for, for Kona, uh, where the name Digme comes from, yeah. Digme Beach, where, where that race starts. In Hawaii, isn't That's that right? That's right, yeah. Digme Beach in Hawaii is the start line of the Ironman World Championships. So it's quite hard to qualify to race at the Ironman World Champs. Mm. So it's a bit of a thing to go out to Kona mm. and just even to watch the race. Is amazing. Kind of yeah. So uh, so a bunch of us from the gym went out to support Jeff. Oh, wow. And when we booked the flights, Jeff and I weren't even dating. And then obviously we were by the time we got there. Oh. So that was quite quite interesting. Um, but I watched the Ironman in Hawaii and it really inspired me to do my first triathlon. So on that trip, having said to Jeff, there is no way I'm going to do a triathlon. I haven't swum since I was at school. Mm. I can't bear the thought of swimming in open swimming water. Swimming is the thing, isn't it, for yeah. everyone? It's yeah. like I bike and I run and that's pretty standard. Well, the yeah, I guess in the UK you have access to plenty of roads so you can run and bikes but swimming it's not really a UK thing is it because you've literally got to get a wetsuit on find your nearest lake and just hit and hope and only do it for two months of the year and in yeah. water. <laughs> exactly and they're a bit gunky yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'd watched him do all these swim practices and so I thought no way so uh, so anyway went out to uh, to Hawaii and I was just converted so I signed up for my first um, triathlon which was Ironman 70.3 Galway the following year uh, so I trained trained for that at that point so yeah but Digme Beach it's just the most inspiring place because I guess when I was going out there I thought it was going to be full of you know Ironman man types in their speedos yeah. parading around on the beach and indeed that's where the name comes from the locals called it yeah. dig me beach because they were all you know hey dig me <laughs> um so but actually it's a very different story when you go out there and you meet the most colorful characters mm. um and my favorite was this man called lou hollander I saw him at the swim practice one morning and he was in his 80s and uh, we got chatting. He was an 
absolutely lovely, lovely man. He told me all about his journey and the sacrifices he made to get out to Kona every year. And then he ended up winning his age group, the 80 to 84 age group. There's an 80 to 84 age group. There sure is. And he came up on stage at prize giving and he he nailed it. I mean, he did it in about 15 hours and you get 17. So the man had time to spare. Wow. But he danced up onto the stage the day after the race, which is even more remarkable, believe me, going up steps the day after a race like that's not easy. Um, And uh, he said, oh, I've been to Kona so many times and I've never managed to win my age group until this year and he said my secret I've managed to outlive my competitors <laughs> <laughs> and he just had a standing <laughs> ovation and the best applause but there's all kinds of characters in Iron Man uh, like um, uh, Dick Hoyt is very well known he races with his son his son has cerebral palsy wow, wow. and uh, I mean his son is you know my size he's you know we're not talking about a two-year-old or something but he races with him because that's what his son just loves to do so he pushes him on a raft uh, has a bicycle adapted for two and then pushes him during the run so quite a remarkable story yeah. I think that yeah, some really it attracts I think really extraordinary people it really truly does I think to do something quite extreme like that you've often had such life experience or something happen and you'll think you know life's too short to not do this let's exactly. do it and I think that's amazing it really is a definition of endurance those events as mm. well because uh, you know um, someone, someone I know always says anyone can run a marathon but not many can really run a marathon and the same like applies to an Ironman you know you can go for a run or a swim or a bike whatever but actually to do it one off to the other with that intensity it's insane isn't it it's it's pretty full on yeah <laughs> it's pretty full on. and you really do, you're just basically just hammering your body through training and yeah. the next day you feel like you've been beaten up don't you really I yeah. think yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's probably about right because yeah. somehow that's fun yeah. <laughs> um, so you were doing all these events while she was still a full-time lawyer as well uh so at that point yeah I was uh I worked uh at a law firm a big law firm in the city and I was doing actually learning and development work so I was designing and delivering training courses for the oh, lawyers in the firm okay um so I went from practicing law to doing that mm. um when I practiced law I practiced shipping law which was really interesting mm. but you can imagine uh not very nine to five um, yeah. so I moved into learning and development work to try to I suppose control my schedule a bit more yeah so that's what I was doing at that time yeah Oh, that's really interesting. And when you were there, did you think that fitness, the industry, being part of it was kind of on the cards? Or was that, I don't know, had you ever considered it until you kind of had the idea for Digny? Or? Not really, which sounds a little odd. So I'd always loved fitness. It was always just the thing that kept me going. And, you know, as I said earlier, I'd fit it in no matter what. Mm. Um, but it was only when I was on maternity leave with Alex, our eldest, Alex is now four, um, that I just thought, I, I remember it really clearly, actually. Um, I have a running pram and that was the only way to keep fit with a, a newborn baby. So um, I was on maternity leave and we were running around Richmond Park and it was just a glorious sunny day. And uh, I was running up Sawyer's Hill pushing the pram. And I just thought, God, I love this. And I just thought I should do something in fitness. I really should do something in fitness. And it felt like just lots of things came together at that time. So uh, Jeff and I had been to the States quite a few times during my maternity leave um, and, and just prior to that, um, you know, with work for mm. Ironman races and so on. And um, we'd explored the fitness industry out there. And, you know, the fitness industry in the States tends to be a little bit ahead of, of yeah. Yeah. what we're doing here in London. And, uh, you know, we'd been to some studios and I particularly liked Flywheel in the States. And um, 
uh, you know, thought, God, I wish we had something like that. So I think it was having seen that, then suddenly had just some time of work for the first time ever, really, because mm. you go away on holiday, you've still got a Blackberry with you. Yeah. or yeah, you know, it's so still contactable. Exactly. Mm. So it's very, very hard to switch off properly. Um, and on that maternity leave, I remember switching off my phone and putting it in a drawer and thinking, wow, this feels weird. Um, so just having time and space to really think, um, just the idea of, just came to me so um so Jeff and I were soon afterwards on holiday in uh France we went to Morzine and it was the year the Tour de France started in Yorkshire and they had glorious sunny weather in Yorkshire and we were in Morzine and it was raining <laughs> so we uh, we had our bikes with us and we, we'd hoped to go cycling Jeff was going to take the, the baby on the back um and uh, we ended up actually you know staying in our hotel and just pl- watching the tour and plotting this this business model so we worked in the business model together to see if we thought it was viable um and uh yeah and then we thought why not make Richmond the first studio because mm. we live there and there's not much there by way of health and fitness so uh so just lots of things came together yeah. at that time and it just so felt like the right time to do it that? Um, so this was summer 2014. Uh, so I was on maternity leave that summer. And then I started working on Digme the beginning of 2015. Then I worked on it on my own pretty much for that year. And then the beginning of 2016, I recruited our head of ops and also Jeff moved from his role in finance. Yeah. So we became a team of three in so January was, uh, 16. Was it hard to convince Jeff? Did he want to work with you or um, did you ask him or... who? you know who initiated that partnership uh jeff was moving on from he was working in the hedge fund industry he had his own hedge fund and for a number of reasons he was moving on from that Mm. to something else and i guess considering his options and secretly i think actually he'd been incredibly jealous of all i'd been doing that year because i'd been you know trying out all sorts of different you're in the startup bikes and i've been looking at different technology and you know designing what the studio was going to look like and so on and uh, you know obviously he'd come home in the evening and i was full of what (laughs) i'd been doing that day and uh he he was great at inputting he's a real ideas person And uh, I think, yeah, he was he was wistfully thinking he'd love to be involved. So when the opportunity came, it, the timing was wonderful. And we also knew that at that point I was pregnant with Ben, our second. And his due date was actually the same date that Richmond opened, that Digme opened <laughs> its doors. You didn't do things by half. <laughs> no. so, uh, so we thought, yeah, this just makes sense. So he, he jumped over. And how was that planning process? Because it's obviously quite a complex business model, boutique gyms. You have a lot to take into account, not to mention the sites and working out where it's going to work geographically. Like, What was that like? What were the hardest parts of saying, yes, we want to know, we want to open a gym, but where do you go? Like, like What's your process for that? Yeah. So I was keen to open the first one in Richmond um, because I thought there was a real gap in the market mm. there. And, you know, the, the Richmond community has responded so well to to having a, a cycling studio there and they want a Matrix one. And, you know, people are badgering me all the time. Mm. When is Matrix coming to Richmond? And, um, you know, I obviously want that to happen too for, for selfish reasons. So hopefully soon. Um, but Richmond felt like the right location to start. So that was, that was easy, that decision. And obviously, you know, running the numbers on what we thought we needed in terms of of square footage and bikes and so on. Um, the hardest bit was actually finding the first site mm-hmm. um, because if you think about it, um, you know, to an objective landlord, you're a woman who's on maternity leave, you're a lawyer, you're having a career change, yeah. you're setting up a business, you've no track record. So, you know, to a lawyer who's who's um, who has this real estate in central Richmond, you don't look like the best candidate. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there are a number of things that you can do to try to, to help that. So, 
it was very important to me from the outset to take external investment um, and also to have um, a board of directors where, you know, it wasn't just me and my yeah. money setting up mm. my business. Um, so, um, so, so, you know, putting that in place, I think, helped. So there were three directors and we had external money as well. Um, and then, you know, putting together just a really good pitch in terms of mm. what the business would look like and having reasonable forecasts and projections mm. and so on. Um, so you you know you don't look like it's just this. Oh, I'd like to have a little studio <laughs> in my in my hometown. Um, but finding the first site was difficult, and then once you find it, um, you've obviously you know got to have the right use. So it has to have D two leisure use. So the site in Richmond is an office. So we had to go through this three month planning process mm-hmm. to try to get planning permission to do what we wanted to do. Um, and then once that bit's done, the rest is is easy. It's just all the fun Getting decisions out, around yeah. design and what you want you know your changing rooms to look like and which bikes you're going to use and which technology and finding the right head of fitness and um, so that part of the journey was even was that quite fun. Its, even that in itself can be quite hard because it has to be very experiential. Doesn't doesn't it? There's kind of the, that boutique thing. You know, from, from the minute people walk in the door to how they're greeted, the towels, the changing facilities, all those different touch points have to be on point, don't they? It's quite that in itself is takes some finesse. Yeah, that's right. And I, you know, my feeling at the time was that a lot of studios were getting it right in the sense that they were delivering good classes, or other studios were getting it right in the sense that they had great changing rooms and mm. facilities and so on. But I didn't really see an example of both being married together. Yeah. Um, you know, in either the hit the cycling space so I wanted us to have just what felt like a luxurious nice experience um, but also an amazing class Mm. Um, but for me the most important thing is the class you know the Mm. instructor um, and you teach Tally you know what it's like I Um, should add that Keith is partly my boss by the way (laughs) You know. I forgot about that. Brownie points. Yeah, <laughs> te- technically, technically is. Yes, nah. I teach at Digme. Um, and yeah, from from an instructor's point of view, you want to, I think the class is, an ex- is experiential it's in itself. Like you can have all the whistles and bells of fancy lights and everything like that, but it's down to you to bring it all together and to deliver. Um, and yeah, everyone I've been, a, every class I've been a part of, not my own at Digme, has just been top notch. Like everyone's, good and yeah it's been really fun working with you guys because I've not really worked in that environment before because I'm self-employed so I don't get to work with people very often but it's (laughs) been really lovely to like be a part of it oh we love having you in the team we really do Uh, but you know you're absolutely right Um, I think people will forgive pretty much anything if they've got a good class because Mm. they walk away feeling amazing having Mm. had a good class Um, and uh, we spend an awful lot of time finding and developing our instructors and I think teaching uh, spin in particular at Digme is is really tough going um, because you've got so many different things to control I have an easier job because I don't have as much to control Kifa so (laughs) So basically, you have a little controller, don't you? And there's lots of graphics and there's lots of data used within certain classes. But the discipline I teach is beats. And we don't have to do all of that, which I'm like was so relieved to hear because I don't know if I could quite do that. Like I take my hat off to all the instructors that master it because you have. Can I give away the secret? Yeah, go for Can it. Can I go? You have a little Xbox controller. Yeah. And you, and you use every, you basically, it, it looks like when you're teaching, it looks like you're 
on a video game, doesn't it? Like you're on yeah. a video game cycling along. Mm-hmm. And but the instructor, if it's if you're teaching an incline, you have to put the incline up with a little thing and you have to press all these buttons and I found it very overwhelming when I learned that <laughs> I actually get to turn the screen off for my class. I'm literally pressing the button. I get to turn it off and uh, it just does the magic and tracks all the data whilst we train. So I don't have to worry about that. But to anyone teaching the more performance based classes and the ride classes, you have a lot to do. And I don't envy them. Whilst working out as well. Whilst working out yeah. and teaching and giving all your teaching points. Yeah. it's well, That's why you need performers, don't you, really, to run these classes? Yeah, because... but you have a whole range of people teaching, don't you? Yeah, we do. We um, So we have three different uh, ride offerings, if you like. Mm. Um, so the middle ground is, is called ride. And... In that class, you get a little bit of data. Um, then for people who love data, they like, should come I can to imagine our perform love, class. Which is what you probably thrive on. Yeah, the, the beat stuff scares me, Tally. I, I'm, so, I'm just class. not at all coordinated. <laughs> <laughs> um, but perform is one end of the spectrum, which um, if you love numbers, you'll come along and you'll be FTP tested and uh, you'll see yourself riding as a cyclist up a virtual road and you can see the speed you're going at and the power Lots, you're putting out and so on. Yeah. Um, so that's, for the, that's for the number geeks. They love that. And I've got to say, I, I do fall into that category. And then beat is the other end of things. And that's for people who just want to come and switch off and listen to the music and do a few dips and have a bit of fun. And, you know, for me, that is the, the, the trickiest bit. Mm. Um, as I said, I'm not very coordinated. I've been to Tally's beat class and it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> oh, you, but I did feel, oh, my God, I'm out of time again. <laughs> <laughs> and I was watching Tally's legs furiously thinking, right, right, left, right, left. But don't <laughs> watch do them this. too closely because sometimes they mess up as well. <laughs> I won't, I won't well, lie. it's good to hear. I'm not the only one. Um, but, yeah. But in the beat class, you won't see any numbers. You'll just see, you know, shooting stars and a screensaver. Yeah. Or, you know, Dan likes to play uh, Beyonce videos and things like <laughs> that. <laughs> in the beats and cleats, he does. So, uh, yeah, so there's some, some fun stuff that goes on in beat. Have you found it easier fitting in your training since opening Digme, considering it's technically, like, on your doorstep? Or is it harder now you are a businesswoman, a mum? You're juggling so much. How has that affected your training? Um, gosh, it's uh, it's probably as it always has been, just juggling and fitting it in. Mm. Um, what I do love is the Richmond studio has 6.30 classes in the morning. So if I get up and do a 6.30 class, I'm home by 7.30, which is when the boys wake up. So it's mm. perfect. So yeah. I can actually get a workout done before the day starts. And then... Um, Inevitably, people will want to come and see the studio. All sorts of people, you know, whether they're partners or customers, whatever. Um, so I'll, I'll quite often meet up with people to go and take them to a Matrix class, uh, which is our hit concept, or a, a ride class of some sort. Um, and that's nice because that tends to take me around all of the different studios and I get to see lots of different instructors. Um, so the tally class I did, for instance, was when we were doing um, an event for International Women's Day at Lily yeah. Lemon. So we had that class as a precursor to, to the event. Um, so that was really good fun. That's awesome. <laughs> he said, Tally, if you stumble, just keep going. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, I, 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 I do manage to do quite a few classes at Digme. So, I actually did my over three, I've done over 300 ride classes now. I did my 300th about two Damage. weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how many classes I've done. I don't think I've done 300, but. I can get you the data. Can you? <laughs> I can, yes. Oh, I would love yeah. to see it. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll, we'll. We'll put we'll put an update on the Instagram account yeah, yeah. and t- let you know how many classes Tally's I've total. done. Uh, yeah. Um, so you've just opened your fifth studio within yes. four years. So you said four years ago was when Richmond opened. Is that correct? Uh, two years ago, Richmond opened. So sorry, four years ago you had the idea. Yes. Two yeah, years yeah. ago, Richmond opened. 
How has that process changed from the first studio? Like, what did you learn along the way? How has Digme evolved and developed? Um, has it been a lot more straightforward now because you just know what works, you know who you want there, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it is. It's so much easier as you go along. So the first studio, I guess every relationship is new and you're still testing mm. things out. And actually, we made some good decisions with regard to partners. I guess it's because I you know, had a lot of time to uh, to research all of that while mm. we were waiting to find the first location. Um, but uh, the first studio, you know, you, it's the first time you've actually designed a studio. So in terms of the look and feel, you don't know what that's going to be like. Will the bikes work? Will the, the software be effective? And so on. Uh, then you come to studio two and you just, you know, all the people. So you just call them all up and say, right, same again, slight variation here and there. Um, so I guess we've, we've tried and tested a few different things along mm. the way. But essentially the core offering has been the same and now we know what we're doing so it's so much easier um so Rathbone Square is actually our biggest studio to, to date it opened on Monday so it's very it's new fresh. and very exciting um but it's our, our biggest studio in terms of square footage we have a 60 bike ride studio and then we have uh, a much bigger uh hit studio than mm. in the other locations um we have a smoothie bar um and also the 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 gem is we have the most beautiful terrace outside the studio which looks onto a garden square and it's one minute from Oxford Street so yeah. finding green space that close to Oxford Street yeah. is just you walk into the square and it's suddenly very quiet and you have to pinch yourself to to really believe where you are um, but uh, the terrace is really really lovely so I've noticed the head office team working from Rathbone Square's <laughs> terrace quite a lot this week I think everyone's enjoying a few rays <laughs> getting a little bit of work yeah. done and how is that juggle like we said before like juggling the, the the family life as well as the business life because it's so intertwined with you obviously like Jeff and you're both you are dig me um and you've got little ones as well like how does how does that work like especially like if you're a working mum you know what what's the secret no secret just hard work mm. uh long hours and hard work but it's um but it's fun if you're doing something you love it's fun and uh, you know I just if you've got a dream, just follow it. Don't wait for the right time. There's never going to be a right time. Mm. So, you know, on maternity leave from the first, knowing we were probably going to have a second, the second arrived about the time we opened the studio, there's never going to be a right time. So you just get on with it and somehow it all happens. Mm. Um, those few months around opening Richmond um, were probably the busiest of my life because Jeff was training to go back to Kona for the Ironman World <laughs> Championships. We obviously had a new baby and we had a two-year-old and then we'd opened Digme. And when we opened the first studio, it was all hands on deck. Um, I obviously couldn't be as useful as I would like to have been. Um, but, you know, as far as everyone was concerned, we didn't have front of house staff and things like that. You know, everyone was doing things. So Jeff would turn up in the morning and open up for the 6.30 class and, uh, you know, clean up afterwards. And then he'd go up to the city to pitch to investors. And, it, you know, everybody was doing their normal day job as well as all the other stuff. Wow. So it was incredibly busy. So, um so yeah, so there's you know there's, there's never a right time to do things in life. You just gotta just gotta roll with it. And yeah, you'll be busy and you'll have to do some juggling, but you somehow make it work. You somehow make it happen because you want it to happen. You do, yeah. Um, I I, t I mean, go back to the sort of work life balance. Um, I work three days a week officially. I work mm. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So I've got Monday and Friday with the the two little boys, which mm. is really really nice. Um, 
So usually if I get up early and then sort of work into the evening on those days, I can just, I never put an out of office on, put it that way. Yeah. I can just try to catch up. But uh, Because what I think is amazing about you, Kiefer, because I know how much you're doing and you're always like on Instagram, you like support everyone. You're just, I'm like, how is she doing it all? How are you doing it all? She must like, have three hands. Like, you do. There has to be somewhere. Well, that, you know. I, guess, I guess that's what's, what really excites me though. I mean, you know, for me, Dig Me was was always about community. Mm. Um, I had spent a bit of time training informally a couple of people who were interested in doing things before Dig Me. Um, So, you know, writing a marathon plan for somebody, training somebody else for her first 5K, um, helping somebody else lose some weight to get into her wedding dress. She wanted to drop from a size 14 to 12 and she'd never exercised so she wanted ideas around that. Mm. So I guess I'd spent time with people training them and that whole sort of sense of, you know, community and people achieving things and then the whole Dig Me beach experience um in hawaii that we, we spoke about earlier um i guess all of that together is is what dig me is for me it's about real people achieving whatever their goal is mm. um and we actually have a, a sort of hashtag dig me campaign going on at the moment where we're encouraging people to come to the studio write the goal on a piece of paper take a photo and post it on instagram mm. And then to go chase down that goal. Because it's amazing. If you write it down, you will go and do it. So that Copenhagen marathon, I committed to it. I raced it on the, the chalkboard at the time in Digby because we had a, a goal section in January. And I looked at it and thought, oh, I really need to start training for it. And it, <laughs> it does kick you into action, even as somebody who's fairly motivated about fitness. You know, something like that staring at you does kick you into action, make you feel a bit more accountable. Um, so, you know, whatever the goal, whether it's to get to one spin class a week or to climb Everest, you know, we don't care. We just want to be with you on that journey. So that's what that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. So mm-hmm. in terms of supporting things and so on on Instagram, it just thrills me when I see people doing things. And there's a few crazy things going on at the moment. Um, we have one Richmond rider, for instance, who's doing 100 classes in 100 days. Um, so she's doing it from November. Um, her, wow. Yeah, yeah. So her, her dad um, w- was was ill and uh, she thought, right, well, I'm going to actually you know, do something useful about this. Um, I'm going to raise awareness around men's health and I'm going to raise money from November. Um, so she's she's actually riding her 100th class this coming Sunday in Richmond. Wow. So the team is going down to support her. We're that's really crazy. excited about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and her dad's going to be on bike number one there to, uh, <clears throat> oh, to see her. Yeah. Oh, cool. yeah. So that's awesome. exciting. So, you know, I'm just surrounded by amazing people mm. doing amazing things. Things, and uh, that's what keeps me going. So it's very easy to jump on Instagram about that kind of thing. What's been the uh, the hardest part? Because obviously these business journeys are never smooth. Like people see the finished article and yeah. they come in. The, cla- the class to another. The class is curated and it's all lovely. But what they don't see is probably you in the background tearing your hair out because something's gone desperately wrong. Like what's been the bit where you've gone, oh God, not again. Or how are we going to deal with this? Um, I think probably just more general points in that things always take longer uh, I'm the sort of person who once I decided to do something I just want to do it um, but things just <laughs> yeah, yeah things take longer you know yes. so if for example you think right you know Rathbone Square is going to open in on X date mm. add on a couple of months so I guess it's one of the lessons I've learned as we've moved from studio to studio things always always take longer than you think because you're relying on so many other people um, and you can do your best to you know to, to plan and prepare but things do take longer um, and they always cost more money too yep. yeah 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 <laughs> 
that's very very true so they're probably my two biggest lessons yeah. and I remember you said to me we we had the like opening party for Rathbone Square last week and you said well this is really nice this is the first time I've not been like sweeping the floor before we did a party or before they opened and I, it's actually this is a bit weird because it is that case of you know you're so hands-on with the business which I think is what is so admirable about it you do have a whole team of people and yet you're you and Jeff really roll your sleeves up and want to be involved in everything which I think is brilliant um and I just love that you made that comment I thought you know <laughs> fair play to you for just always being there um and yeah happy to you you want to make your dream happen um so yeah it, it's positive oh thank you <laughs> no it's so true though I remember uh Blackfriars I guess was the last one to open yeah. and the day of the opening party uh we had a, a PR event happening that evening and the builders were frantically putting tools into the lockers to clear them out of the way and I was going around my mop trying to mop the changing rooms in the studio Jeff was on his hands and knees trying to pull the vinyls uh off the doors and so on oh my god it was just absolutely crazy and then we did that, got it all clean, had the PR event. And then the following night, we were doing a friends and family event. And the builders, of course, unpacked everything, made it all mucky again. So got to about four o'clock, out came the mop. And we are just, we've done this, haven't we? Deja vu. <laughs> so um, it's not all glamorous, everybody. No, no. But this time, the cleaners were great. They, uh, they, they were, the builders were great. Rather, they had a, a team of cleaners who just descended. So... Uh, yeah, we felt a bit redundant. We were just we were just looking at each other, thinking, "Hang on, what are we? What are we, what are we doing?" <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm time to get ready. <laughs> yeah. So, what is next for Digme and you and Jeff? And um, do you feel like you always want to be that hands-on founder? Is that where your heart lies? About really being stuck in the heart of the business, or you do you think one day you might kind of oversee from slightly? further away oh for now we're both absolutely loving it and mm. going back to do something you love doing um you know as long as that's the case I'd like to to remain involved um yeah very very much loving it and have ambitions to open more studios in London and indeed elsewhere um you know we, we went into Oxford quite early on so you know anywhere really it's just looking for the right opportunities and well, maybe you should comment on when this when this is up on our key for post like let us know where it where, yeah, where in the do, uk yeah, do, you do you want, want a studio, a studio? Yeah. um where's the demand oh we've had a, a few requests from members who've left london yeah. so yeah dig me loyal followings yeah. um and uh, we've had some really interesting requests my favorite so far is sydney so uh That's, yeah i'll just i'll go yeah, take care yeah, of that yeah, one yeah. guys yeah. <laughs> if you want me I'll to come and the teach team. there i will come and happily <laughs> if you need a beat instructor i'm there yeah <laughs> um and what is your advice i know we can't touch it already but who's someone who wants to change their career and start their business do you have like three tips or is there one key a piece of advice that anyone ever gave to you along the way when you were thinking right I'm gonna quit my job and I'm gonna start this crazy dream of having my own spin studio in Richmond don't do it on your own um you know so many people who can help you and you'd be amazed um so just ask for advice mm. um so I, I touched earlier on the fact that it was important to me to take external investment and to have a, a board of directors that um you know looked looked credible um and those people have been absolutely invaluable to me in terms of advice and support um you know there's a certain amount of stuff I know but um you know if you add to that people with expertise in so many other different areas um, our board of directors is absolutely terrific and it's just such a you know such a great forum to to run ideas by them and also it keeps you accountable um, mm. you know you know board meetings coming up and you're thinking right so 
what have I got to report? And it really makes you focus on what you've achieved and set goals for the next, um, you know, the next term, if you mm. like, until the next board meeting. So, um, so yeah, so, so finding the right people, um, you know, not feeling like you've got to do it all yourself, um, but finding people and getting that support network in place would be my, my best piece of advice. And when you look back at just before you launched, had someone put the script in front of you and said, this is where you'll be? At this particular point right now, would, are, you, are you happy? That, have you hit everything you want to do? Is there, are there still things you want to achieve? That sort of thing? I'm really happy with where we are at the moment. Um, we, you know, five studios, um, I think they're all in terrific locations. We've got a really good team, um, front of house team and our instructor team and obviously our head office team. Um, still quite a small team, but, uh, you know, we... Um, That's part of the charm, I think. I think That's so. That's what I love about it is that everyone is so friendly. Yeah, and everyone, you know, knows each other. Yeah. And to get that party last week was just so lovely. I know. Uh, the, the Rathbone launch party. Um, just a terrific bunch of people. Um, so it's been, that, that bit's been really, really fun. Um, so, yeah, just, just carrying on. You know, we want to open more studios and continue to uh, to recruit the best people. But it's, it, you know, it's, it's making the right decisions. So in terms of studios, um, as Jeff said to me, you have to kiss a lot of frogs to find the, the, the you know, the princess. Mm. Um you know, we look at so many different site opportunities and locations and so on. You've got to be quite careful about what you pick. And I think we've picked good ones so far. So trying to carry on in that vein, um, making sure it's right for Digme. Um, and uh, one or two of our studios just have ride. Um, most of them now have, have ride and hit our, our matrix concept. Um, so very much pushing that forward. It's more, I think, you know, the dual studio thing is... Is, uh, is our ideal. Um, and then just instructors. We're spending an awful lot of time at the moment developing instructors. We mm. have um, quite a detailed instructor academy process that they have to now go through and graduate from. Um, so trying to make sure we recruit and train up the best talent because, as we said earlier, it's all about the instructor, mm. really. You can provide whatever you like around around that experience, but it's, it's the experience in the studio that's absolutely key for our, mm. our customers. So, um, so spending more and more time on, on those people. The, the heart of Digme. Well, Kiefer, it has been an absolute pleasure. It has it's been a delight, isn't it? I yeah. think um, we hope you've kind of enjoyed this slightly different topic. We really want to talk a bit about um, business. I think, um, especially the business of health and fitness. The as business well. of health and fitness. To you know, female entrepreneurship. I think Digme is going huge places. I'm honoured to be a part of it. Um, and we're very grateful you came in to speak to us today. Thank you, Keith. Here we are. Thank, oh. you. Thank you, guys. It's been really we, lovely chatting. Where can we find you guys um, if people want to check out Digme? Um, where can they find them on social media? And how can they check out a class? Okay, so nice and easy. So digmefitness.com. Uh, we now have a Digme Fitness app. So download that. It's it's really pretty. Um, it's, it's about a week old. So uh, so I'm very, very... <laughs> I don't uh, think I have it, actually. I need to get it. Yeah, it's only about a week old. Okay. But, uh, I'm loving it. You can use it for everything. Booking, cancelling, you know, buying credits, uh, checking your, your progress over classes. Absolutely everything is on so there. So will that tell me how many classes I've done? Uh it won't give you the total number, but I can okay. get that secret okay. number for you. Yeah, okay. I, I have ways and means. <laughs> um, so yes, digmefitness.com or the app. Um, and then we're at Digme Fitness uh, across social media. Wonderful. Thanks again, Kiva. It's been Thank brilliant. You. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Waybox Podcast and tell us what you thought about today's episode. And make sure to keep an eye out on our social media as we want you to get involved with future episodes. Thanks. Thanks.